largest infrastructure project the city's ever seen. We're making history here. This project was built for Kansas City by Kansas City. They're still employing people to this very day. It's so warm and welcoming. This just represents the growth of the city. A new tradition, new opportunities, and opportunities that truly reflect our whole region and its diversity. Something that Kansas City is going to be proud of for, for generations to come. Welcome to KSHB 41's limited series podcast, now boarding year one of KCI's single terminal. I'm Taylor Hymnus, morning anchor at KSHB 41. Episode nine here features a company name that you heard a lot during the construction of the terminal and really beforehand too, Edgemore. That was the lead developer for this project. And there's a decent chance that if you are listening to this podcast, you love the airport, you're probably also one of those that set in on one of the many community meetings that Edgemore hosted about the design of the terminal. They really wanted to know what Kansas Cityans wanted. Jeff Stricker is the Senior Managing Director for Edgemore. We talked to him quite a few times on television during the multi-year construction of the terminal, including the day that we were live when the terminal opened. He joined us for a live interview. As I've said, this podcast is really supposed to feel like a time capsule, so I wanted to check in with him again as we approach the one-year mark of the terminal's completion. Enjoy. So I'm here with Jeff Stricker, who is a senior managing director at Edgemore. And uh, Jeff and I were talking, kind of emailing back and forth, setting up this conversation because I got to meet Jeff the day the terminal opened, I believe is my one chance I got to meet you, Jeff, because we were out there live that morning. What are your memories of that that day? Not just meeting me, obviously, but what are your sure. memories of the day that the terminal opened? Sure, Taylor. And uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to chat with you today on this. Um you know, for me, it was five plus years of hard work seeing finally come to fruition. So being in the terminal that morning, watching passengers come through the terminal, board their flights, get, you know, food and beverage at the concessions, buy at the retail stand, saw everything that we had envisioned over the prior years through all the planning and the construction period actually turn into uh, life and see the the joy and the awe as people experience the terminal for the first time, whether it was the public art, the ease of going through security, the, you know, the variety of restroom choices, the food choices. It, it was just, you know, for me, ear to ear grin of just seeing it, it come to life on that day. So we did a lot of conversations in our coverage once the terminal was approved by voters and leading up to that kind of thing about the selection process of multiple different entities that were going to be involved in this, both from uh, a large scale, small scale, local scale, non-local. Dumb it down for me here, exactly what Edgemore's role in the building of the new terminal was. Sure. So Edgemore was the lead developer for the new terminal project. And a developer in, in the context of this project is responsible for all of the project elements. So we coordinated with the key stakeholders, the aviation department, the airlines, uh, we work with the design build team, SOM as the designer, Clark White's Clarkson as the, the contractor and design builder, uh, led the efforts to engage with the community, with the mayor and city council, and provide overall project leadership for the entirety from the day we were selected to the day we turned over the, the new facility to the aviation department. I think people are familiar with the term developer when it comes to things happening in their city on a smaller scale than the terminal, like whether sure. a neighborhood is being developed or some commercial area, they're going to build a strip mall over here, that kind of thing. Is it 
you know, obviously it's a much bigger project, but is it the same kind of thought process that someone might hear when, when they hear the word developer about what Edgemore did in this in these terms, just specific to the terminal? Yeah, there's a lot of similarities. I think the, the big difference, Taylor, is uh, Edgemore focuses solely on developing public buildings and infrastructure. So the okay. new terminal, uh, we've done courthouses and government office buildings and projects for universities. Um, we don't do the type of development where you would build a shopping mall or you would build an apartment complex. That's a wonderful business. It's just not ours. We focus specifically on public buildings and infrastructure. But the skills involved in terms of managing design, managing construction, putting in place financing uh, are all the same. Yeah. Had you ever done an airport terminal before in your career? Uh, uh, from a development perspective, no. But what we've learned over time is that for the development management process, 80 plus percent of the activities, the coordination of individuals working with, uh, again, architects and engineers and contractors in the community is the same regardless of the type of building that you're developing. Yeah. And then we leverage the specific expertise of SOM on design, on Clark White's Clarkson and construction. And then, of course, the expertise of the aviation department, our client, who knew what they were looking for, as well as the expertise of the airlines, the aviation department's tenants in terms of what they wanted to have the building operate for them to perform you know, the services they provide customers who get on airplanes. I continue to be mind blown by the size and scope of a project like this. And I'm sure that's something you heard a lot. Uh, that that phrase, <laughs> hope this yep. isn't too, too graphic or too new for people, but you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time is what came up to me so much whenever you, the, the building of this thing, is there a way for you to convey to a layperson like myself and to someone listening to this, what the size and scope felt like at the outset? Sure. And you're right. It was uh, what in the industry is called a mega project, something over a billion dollars in price. Uh, there's not many of those across the country and across the globe. And so it, it was a daunting task to think about all the different pieces and parts, given the size of the building, uh, the new terminal, but then also the parking garage, what's called um, airside improvements where the airplanes are, the landside improvements, and starting to think about how could we take this elephant, as you described, and, and break it down into different pieces and different work streams in order to be efficient in how we move the project forward. And so we spent a lot of time planning and thinking about what's the right way to thoughtfully split the project up into smaller pieces and then empower uh, people on the team to manage that one piece, all ultimately reporting up to make sure that, you know, the left hand knew what the right hand was doing at all points in time. I, I should know this going in, but I didn't. I, I, I can't help but notice. And obviously, most of the people are going to be listening to this, not seeing it. There's a, a KU jersey on the wall behind you. What is what is your connection to Kansas City? Are you are you have you spent a lot of time here? What's your connection? So the KU jersey that you see, we did a public private partnership for the University of Kansas um, back in 2016 through 18, where it's called the Central District Development where we developed seven different buildings for the University of Kansas over two and a half years. We designed, built them, financed them, and now we actually operate and maintain them. So we take care of the physical plant for uh, KU. And the, the jersey is a gift from KU, my client, uh, when we close the deal. And the, the number three is for P3. So something very special that they you know gave me as a, a memento of, of that transaction. I ask because you know this is this is not a 
completely from scratch new situation as much as it is a we're replacing something that already exists and serves a very specific function. And I'm sure you're aware the the conversation leading up to the new terminal was I like my terminal how it is. I like my airport already. I like how simple that's what the Kansas City, the no votes on this terminal were primarily about. So when you encounter a situation in which you're replacing something, not building something new for the first time, how different is that? regardless of scope sure um it's always different when people have you know affection or affinity for an existing building and you're replacing that and so how we wanted to address that because what we identified very early on was that kansas cityans viewed the airport as their airport um across the entire region so we set out, Taylor, if you recall, where we held um, open house design meetings in every sure. city council member's district and asked people, what do you like about the new, uh, the existing terminal? What don't you like about the existing terminal? And what would you like to see in a new terminal? And we took all that information. We, we published a report that captured sort of the feedback and the data and used that as almost a guidepost as design unfolded to make sure that we captured what the community was looking for that dovetailed with what the aviation department and what the airlines were looking for. And I went back close to opening day and saw the things that the community had asked for, like, for example, uh, Kansas City is the city of fountains. And so they wanted fountains in the terminal. And you have that uh, wonderful light fountain. When you come to security, you have uh, on the lower level that outdoor water fountain for seasonality. Um, That was something that was important to the community. Improve restrooms was something that was important to the community barbecue which is sort of a tradition obviously in kansas city and so there's not only several choices and local choices but we were able to come up with a way to have a smoker built into the new terminal so that it could be made fresh and when you walk through the terminal that wafting smell that's you know everybody knows what it is and it's it's fantastic is is in parts of the terminal yeah. So we tried an to, electric smoker, right? I learned that along the process. It's it has to be electric to be able to to meet what you want to do with the air with the terminal, right? Yeah. So uh, obviously we had to worry about where the smoke would go. <laughs> that, that was yeah. the bigger issue of <laughs> you know how are we going to handle smoke control and smoke evacuation such that it, the smoke didn't come into the new terminal, which it does not. Yeah. Um, and, and so really for us it was really trying to be community focused in how we um, develop the project and brought forth design that our client, the aviation department, the airlines wanted, but also the community wanted. I have a feeling a lot of the people who will listen to this podcast are the same type of people who were coming to those meetings whenever you were having them several years ago. Do you remember a light bulb moment for you in any of those meetings where someone said something that you thought, huh, I haven't thought of that before, or I wouldn't think that that would be something that would people would be gravitating towards as being important to them. Do you remember any kind of light bulb moment like that for you at those meetings? Yeah, I, I think Taylor, one of the one of the things that we had not considered at least initially um was putting a USO into the building. And obviously with Leavenworth close to the Kansas City airport, a lot of military individuals and their families travel through that airport. And so being able to provide an area for the dedicated servicemen and women of our country um was a notion that the community brought forward and we embraced and the aviation department embraced to bring into the new terminal so that that was a pretty cool idea uh that we heard from the community and then brought to life obviously the pandemic flipped the world upside down when you're in the middle of building a billion dollar project do you remember 
at the outset there in, you know, March of 2020, April of 2020, when the world shut down, do you remember going, oh my gosh, I, I don't know if this is going to derail us? Like what, what, what do you, what are your memories of when the pandemic hit and you're early on in construction? Sure. So first, first thing was around, did the project have to stop or not? And yeah. construction was then considered an essential industry and was allowed to move forward. And once we were given the green light to continue, then it was really all about worker safety for us because we have a mantra um, that any man or woman who shows up on a job site in the morning should go home that afternoon the same way they showed up. And so we wanted to put in place, therefore, um, appropriate safety protocols to ensure that that could happen. We were probably, in this case, more lucky than good that we were still doing um, mostly outside work. So it was yeah. not an enclosed building. As you pointed out, it was a very large site. So we were able to spread uh, the workforce out appropriately um, so that they were not um, all on top of each other, so to speak. But then we put in place protocols like hand washing stations and wearing masks and having, in essence, you know, safety personnel walk the job site. And if they saw anybody not doing what they were supposed to, pointing it out. So we put in place very quickly a series of protocols to ensure uh, a safe workplace for the men and women who were coming every day. A and fortunately, we were able to work through the pandemic uh, without missing a beat, and we're still able to meet our contractual commitment of delivering the terminal for when it needed to open. Here we are almost 10 months after opening. Um, tell me about what Edgemore and you specifically, or just as a company, what that relationship looks like with a project after it's complete. I mean, I can't imagine it's a, you know, snap your hands and walk away. We're all done on to the next job. I would imagine there's some level of continuing to keep tabs on. What is what is keeping tabs on a project of this size look like almost a year later? Sure. So when because of the size of the project, Taylor, we achieve what's called substantial completion of the new terminal in the parking garage so that it could open on February 28th. There was some additional um, what's called airside where the airplanes are paving that could not occur until after all the airlines moved out of terminals B and C and um, some existing structures could be taken out of the way. So we are completing and almost done with what we call follow-on work. Um, so that, that should be done here by the end of the year. We are also completing what um, is called punch list. So there was, you know, some items that we had to, there was a scuff in a wall and now we have to go fix the scuff in the wall. So we are completing those punch list items. We should be completely done with all, all of those efforts um, by the end of this year, very early January. And then we will complete all the, the closeout paperwork and, and then be um, completely finished with this project from a development perspective. I think, you know, emotionally we'll always be tied to this project and we're yeah. always going to want to track how the airport is performing. And when I see every month passenger ridership is, is up and over a million passengers a month, when I see airlines announcing new routes um, coming to Kansas City, a lot of what... Uh, back to your point in the beginning about the referendum and the why of a new terminal um, is coming to fruition very quickly. And, and so that that is just fantastic to see. How often are you back in like, do you do you, do you come back to see it on a regular basis? How often do you get to or need to come back and, and check in physically yourself? 
So I come back fairly often, you know, Taylor, back in 2017, when we were awarded this project, one of the initial things we said was, we're not coming to Kansas City to build this new terminal project and then go away. We want to be in Kansas City for a long time. So we recently opened an office down in the Crossroads District. Uh, we are pursuing additional opportunities in the marketplace. Uh, we have a great staff. We've built strong relationships uh, throughout the community. And we are excited to continue to help um, build Kansas City for the future. How important, you know, we'll stop talking about the terminal for just one second, except in this vein, like that name recognition, because even I, as we started this conversation, I was not entirely certain what Edgemore's role was in the building of this terminal. But I think most people in Kansas City, over the course of the, the years it took to complete it, heard and learned the the company name Edgemore. Well, this is Edgemore's project, Edgemore's project. Like, as a company now, and you re reference being here in Kansas City, that name recognition tied to such a big project has got to be a, a, a big deal potentially moving forward. Yeah, I mean, we've spent, you're right, Teller, um, because of our role in the project from supporting the referendum through all the way through the delivery, uh, we've built a very strong brand in the Kansas City market. I think people understand we are a company that makes commitments and then stands up to them. We set, you know, very high minority and women business uh, enterprise goals. We exceeded all those goals. We set very high workforce goals. The actual men and women on the project exceeded all those goals. Our project, um, if, if you recall back in February, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal that looks at mega projects and said, of all the projects over a billion dollars across the globe, only a half of 1% come in on time, on budget, and deliver the intended benefits. And the Internet, Kansas City International Terminal Project fits into that half of 1%. So I think we've built a very strong reputation in the marketplace of um, being thoughtful, being creative, being people who are, are honest and give, you know, when they give their commitment, then they come through on it. And that sort of brand equity certainly has been helpful for us as we continue to grow our business in, in Kansas City. We talked about the time aspect and the threat on the pandemic a little bit a moment ago, but I want to come back to that a little bit just because that continued to be, as a journalist covering the building of the terminal, that continued to be a phrase I would hear from the city, from Edgemore, from anybody connected, on time, on budget. We are on time, on budget. That was a message that was very clear to me. This is something we want people to know that everybody involved wants people to know we are doing it at the time we said we would and for what we said we would were either of those what what of the two of those made you not nervous is the right thing but it, over, whether it's the pandemic or something else that you were either of those something you started to question the viability of are we going to be able to get this done when we when we said we would and for what we said we were going to do it for did either of those ever start to worry you a bit at any point but, you know, as the lead developer, you worry about a million things. And so certainly on time and on budget was something that was always front front and center. Having said that, we set, uh, you know, instituted a mentality across the team at the Edgemore level, at the design build level, that on time and on budget wasn't just a goal. It had to happen. And yeah. so we did whatever we needed to do from a resource perspective, from a resequencing work if we had to perspective uh in order to make sure that that commitment like the other commitments we made on you know m and wb participation for example 
were met because it was part of who we are as a company and we made that commitment and therefore we had to make sure that we would make good on it. And so um, it, it was just something everybody from myself at the top to every single person on the job knew that that was, you know, the goal of excellence was what we had to accomplish and we did. With it being as rare as you just described in that article from earlier this year, that less than one half of 1% of these mega projects that are able to do that, where do other projects as far as you see, or, and I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with the article, where do those, you know, 99.5% fail on the, on time and on budget? Where, where, what, where do they not do that we were able to do? You know, I think we did two things here um, that were unique and what helped to make the project successful. One was there was an extremely high level of collaboration between the development team, the design build team, the aviation department, and the airlines. We all sat down in a room and on every issue we sat, we worked through it. If we were trying plan A and it wasn't going to work for one of the stakeholders, then we said, okay, what about plan B or plan C or plan D? And we kept working it until we got it right. Uh, so the, the level of collaboration amongst all the key parties to me was something that I'm very proud of, that we all worked together and all had a common goal and objective. I think the other thing that we, along with uh, Clark White's Clarks and the design build team, did really, really well, Taylor, was um, it's sort of that old cliche, measure twice, cut once. Yeah. We thought through every issue, every single way we could to make sure that whatever the plan or the strategy we had to tackle that particular issue was thought through, was challenged, and that the solution we were moving forward was the right solution. And, and so that sort of very detailed level of planning, um, it, which is some, a hallmark of all our projects, I think is that along with the collaboration is really what set us apart. We are getting into, we just had you know stories this morning on our newscast and as we record this, it's it's near the end of November. Uh, we just had stories this morning about it. This being the first holiday season of travel for the new terminal. You know, Thanksgiving is is coming up in a few days, and not only that, but we are getting into the time of year where very soon we may have lots of ice and snow in Kansas City, and the weather becomes a different challenge than it has at any point in this terminal's existence. From your seat, as you get ready to watch those two big variables intersect with this terminal. What is is it? A, is it a new level of attention, apprehension? What do you see as you sit there and think about those two big, big factors coming up? Um, you know, I think some of it goes back to the planning. So, for example, the the parking garage that sits right across the the roadway to the front door of the new terminal was sized to make sure that there was ample parking. So, when you have a week like Thanksgiving coming up, and and throughout the holiday season where there's more travelers. I think there will be sufficient capacity so that people who want to park near in will have that opportunity. Um, in terms of how weather will impact operations, to a degree, that's largely more on the aviation department who's been operating an airport um, in this kind of weather for decades. And so yeah. they know how to clear runways when it snows. They know how to clear ice when there's ice on the ground or on the, the roadway. They are appropriate when conditions are difficult shutting down the airport or the runway or you know it's limiting flights um you know we increased uh for example the security queues when you come into the new terminal so that um there should not be significantly long lines on you know wednesday afternoon when people are trying to get out of town and, and so I, I think 
Um, back to the thoughtful planning, I, I think the the new terminal will will perform very well in the next week and over the over the holiday season. I'm going to put you on the spot. If the answer is no, the answer is no. But I got to ask. Also, for our non-viewing audience, there's a very shiny shovel behind you. Is that the shovel you use for the groundbreaking at the terminal? Um, that is actually from a different groundbreaking, but the, okay. from the terminal from the terminals on the other side of my office. So yes, <laughs> <laughs> I can't like. I mean, I, I'm all of a sudden wondering how many shovels you own, Jeff. <laughs> you have shovels from all over the country. Well, you know, knock on wood, we, we've been successful as a company, and a, a shovel is a great memento of what you've accomplished to get to that sort of groundbreaking day and the shovel i have from the kansas city airport groundbreaking back in march of 2019 is something that i will cherish forever uh what did you learn what, either if it's about big projects massive projects or about yourself as well what did what did you learn through this project that you didn't know beforehand um i mean i'm sure that you could probably write a list but you know what what comes to mind yeah, I, I think, you know, the what was new for me in this project compared to some of the other projects we've worked on in the past was the level of community outreach and community engagement um, for a, such a high profile project. I've heard that more than once. <laughs> um, certainly, I, I lost track of the number of community meetings I attended, the times we were in front of, you know, council presenting. Mm -hmm. And so recognizing the importance of this asset to the community um, was something I certainly learned. And, you know, I think that that ability to go out and listen to people and, and hear their point of view and then take the feedback that you receive um, and incorporate it as best you can into the project was something um, that ultimately, I think, led to a, a better design and a better new terminal and a better project was that community engagement effort. That's got to be maybe not unique to some of the projects you've done, but, you know, I'm just thinking of like your comparison to the buildings you did for, for KU I, that you were describing here. And obviously that's not all you've done, but like that's got to be a much more tunnel vision type of response from what people need and expect and want versus something that you're serving an entire region, not just a city, a, a, an entire region of the country who uses this as a major form of travel. I, the amount of variables that you were presented with, I would think are, are probably pretty high. So to hear you say, not unification necessarily, but but fervor definitely of of people saying this is what we want, what we need, what we expect is is interesting to hear. Yeah, I mean every project has its own sort of unique aspects, and, and you're correct, Taylor. The stakeholder engagement in KU was a different set of stakeholders, more yeah. inward or campus facing than to the Lawrence community. Um, and obviously for the new terminal, it was both inward to the aviation department, but outward to all the citizens in the region. And so that aspect of really sitting down and listening to people and understanding what's important to them and then figuring out how we might be able to include um, when we heard sort of a common theme over and over and over again, back to Kansas City is the city of fountains and the new terminal should have a fountain. So feedback like that w was really important to us. And certainly was a growth experience for me in terms of how we now think about um, community engagement. I think the other growth piece for me was really all the efforts we did in terms of inclusion and diversity mm -hmm. um, through our terminal workforce enhancement program that was really tailored to try and help build the workforce of the future and create a legacy impact in Kansas City. 
and that that thinking of how what we do in terms of building a community asset like the new terminal how that can impact the community and bringing that inclusion and diversity lens is certainly has impacted all our projects subsequently and how we've interacted with um, other clients yeah the last thing i want to ask you about and you've been so gracious with your time i appreciate it and <laughs> i hope to i hope this question does not offend you because i I can't throw any stones about gray hair. I have a fair amount of gray in my hair as well, but I'm looking at yours having about the same amount of gray as I do. So I, I'm guessing you're closer to the end of your career than the beginning of your career in this particular vein. Um, is this a project you will talk about even after you retire of, of saying I was involved, you know, that, I, that, that airport in Kansas city, cause hopefully it will be here for 50 or 60 years. Like what, what will you say about, uh, kids and grandkids and great grandkids about your involvement in a massive project like this, or you, have you got another one even bigger down the pike before you hang it up? Now the Kansas city new terminal project will always have a special place in my heart. And yes, I will be telling grandchildren someday about it. And, you know, when we had the open house back in February, one of the proud moments for me was having my, my wife and my children come and walk yeah. through the terminal and have them, see what I had been working on for four or five years. And now to see it, it come to life for them was um, really special. And so, yes, I, I plan to continue to embrace Kansas City and the new terminal, and it will be something I will talk about for a long time. That's got to be cool to be able to watch people see something for the first time that you either knew was there and were already excited about, or you didn't even think about being an exciting thing that people are pointing out and going, Oh, I love this over there. That's got to be really cool to walk through and have that experience. Yeah. And back to where we started, Taylor, that's why I wanted to be there on opening day was to walk through to see that yeah. experience. You know, when I see the various comments, even now that it's been almost nine months since opening of people saying, oh, my God, I landed in the new terminal and I can't believe I see blank. Um, those types of comments still pop up on social media all the time. And so that's wonderful that people get to experience for the first time. You know, we always said the new terminal is the front door for Kansas City, and it's the yeah. first thing people see when they land and the last thing they see when they leave, and it's got to leave the right impression. And, and, and I really believe through the, the collaboration with all the partners and stakeholders, we've created a wonderful impression for what people think of Kansas City. I, I don't disagree at all. Jeff Stricker, Senior Managing Director for Edgemore. Jeff, thank you for your time and uh, and for your, all, all your time with us, with the media during and, and before the project was going on. I know you did your fair share of interviews uh, with local media just like this one. So I appreciate another one. Thank you very much. Thank you, Taylor. Thanks again for listening to episode nine of Now Boarding, a limited series podcast from KSHB 41. We'll have another episode for you next month. If you have questions or suggestions for people to interview, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, or just email me at taylor.himness at kshb.com. We've only got three episodes left, and I'm still looking for someone who works inside the terminal, especially if it's someone who worked at the old terminal, too. I'd love to hear that perspective. So if you have it or know someone who does, please let me know. See you next time.